six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Lebanyama turn around from the elbow. He has the chance to be one of the best, not in his age, one of the best to ever play this game. He's the best prospect since LeBron James. 7-5, high release point, elevation on his jump shot, quickness, footwork, all of the things. I mean, there's a guy that, that knows who he is and where he's going and what dumpster he's going to sleep in that. Raphael Stone to Lebanyama. The guy is going to change the geometry of the game. Henderson or even Thompson. That's the scariest thing that we've ever seen. Our season's utter trash. We're finally moving on. I'm so happy. Raphael Stone to Wembenyama. If you crowd him, he can elevate over you. Commencing shutdown tank is on now. He can take one dribble. The accuracy. 15 jumpers, maybe Houston puts in two. When you got traded to the Rockets, talk about the Rockets this morning. Trash. A bunch of garbage. Like I always thought of Jalen Green, Kevin Porter. Mm-hmm. The shit y'all getting away with over here, you go to any other team, you be out of the f- league. This is GM Stone upon the phone. We've really fucked it up. They're terrible. All our players shoot as if he shots their last. Clank. And predictably, morale imploded fast. How do I get out of this? This is Wembenyama to Mr. Stone. I'm begging, you don't win! The number one pick goes to... No! I would rather go heaven north and play with Cade. Even Charlotte looks more promising today! Assaulted his girlfriend in front of their two children. Here, as I'm sitting on a French court, Welcome to Fear the Fro, a podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is, my favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. I am Bob Schmidt, your Cleveland Cavalier fan host. What a night. What a night for Cavs basketball. What a night for Mobley enthusiasts. What a night for all of us who have read slander for the better part of two years since that summer league debut of Evan Mobley against Alpi Shangun, when all I've seen is how much better the Rockets are and how they didn't really want Jared Allen anyway. No. They have their center of the future. They wouldn't want Jared Allen anyway. It would be a step down. They are perfectly happy. I am so happy. Still happy, Houston fans? I am so happy. Well, maybe not quite as happy. 18-point defeat tonight at the hands of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I know what you're saying. Bob, that cold open 
was petty as hell. Do we really need to kick a team while they're down? We've been there. We've been there as Cavs fans, watching our team rebuild, constantly finishing towards the bottom of the lottery. And what I would say to you is this. If you find yourself saying, man, the more of these podcasts I listen to, the more I realize that this Bob guy is a real piece of shit. One, accurate. Two, I didn't invent the term Darius Garland merchant. I certainly didn't push it out there as a way to discredit Evan Mobley and try to say that if he doesn't score more or assist more, that he's not a more impactful player. So if I'm happy now that Evan Mobley went forth and dominated the Rockets early in this game to put them away before they could say a goddamn thing, if I'm supposed to apologize for being happy about that, well, I shall not do that. And furthermore... Who are you to question me on my level of pettiness? Where were you when people were talking about bail reform? Isn't that right, James Dolan? Where are they, for instance, on bail reform? We'll get to that a bit later in the podcast. But back to the Cavalier game. I would say this. I saw a video on, uh, there's a subreddit I like to follow. It's called Win Stupid Prizes. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. The gist of it is it comes from the same play stupid games, win stupid prizes. It's when people do things, dickish things, and then something bad happens to them that honestly they deserved. In this particular video that I was watching today, it's a man who walks into a store with a motorcycle helmet on and proceeds to try to rob them. And due to his peripheral vision being severely impaired, what the robber doesn't see is the employee sneaking up behind him with a folded table chair, which he hits him over the head with. And then multiple employees swarm the guy, pin him down, and some psychopath employee grabs the broken chair, breaks off a shard, walks to the head of the robber, who's now pinned down on the ground, and in the eye-opening area of the helmet, he lines up the stick, and he just starts jamming this sharp, wooden stick down into this robber's face again and again and i thought oh my gosh that guy's he's probably blinded might be dead in the comments though the comments from people were like okay the robber's a terrible person but that guy is a psycho and why do i bring this up i bring it up for the following reason sometimes a disproportionate response is in order for two years it's been a slow bleed a little brick 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 listening to these Rockets fans, because we only face them a couple of times a year. Oh, the per 36 minutes, the per 36 minutes, Alpi's better. Look how they did in their matchup in the summer league. Alpi Shangun averaged 14 and 11, and Evan Mobley struggled in his first summer league, which obviously meant nothing, but what we needed was a game like tonight to shut them up. So what Evan Mobley did tonight, I guess what I'm saying is I parallel the dominance that the Cavs showed tonight and the completely humiliating performance, the turnover fest, the missed shots everywhere. Well, that is the wronged, robbed man stabbing the Houston Rockets in the face repeatedly through the motorcycle helmet. Is it violent? Yes. Is that guy a psycho? Yes. But will they do it again? Probably not. We won't hear a peep from them for a while. And why? Because that pre-open was the proverbial stick to the eyeballs. I went hard as hell so that you didn't have to. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the stabby guy in the Reddit video is in jail right now and he did it for all of his co-workers. That store, I bet you nobody ever robs it again. So, just to show you I'm not completely unfair, let's talk about the Rockets for a moment and what they did well. Coming into the evening, I heard nothing but Shengun praise. And I think we saw tonight that he has taken a considerable step forward this season. 
not on the defensive end, but in terms of playing an integral role in the offense, he looked like the most important cog out there. Shen Goon deserved praise. Over the course of this season, he has asserted himself as possibly the better of the two draft picks that came in that draft where Jalen Green was taken second. Not something that's getting a ton of attention this year, but something that you will notice is despite his shot attempts and his scoring being up, his efficiency is falling. And I'm speaking about Jalen Green right now. His true shooting percentage has dipped this year. Last year, nearly 55%. This year, 53.5%. Now, you may remember from Evan Mobley's Career Night podcast where I said that he'd scored 41 points once this season and he'd scored 41 points once last season. Well... Since that game, on Monday, he scored 42 points on 60% from the floor. So, he finally has a career high that came in a win. Previously, the only one in that rookie class amongst the top of the heap there was Evan Mobley. Barnes's came in a loss, Wagner's came in a loss, and Green's 40-point performances both came in losses until this Monday. Now, Shangoon, this month, and I'm including tonight's game in those averages, they would be even higher if it wasn't for the lockup that the Cavs gave on Shangun holding him to 14 points. This month, he's averaging 18 points, nine and a half rebounds, and six assists. Fantastic numbers on 62% from the field, and in a very limited seven-shot sample, he has made five three-pointers for 71%. Very impressive. Now, he had issues tonight. He had some turnovers. In a legal screen, there was about 8 million traveling violations on the Houston Rockets. But say what you will about how bad they are as a team, I don't think anyone watched this game expecting a victory or even really holding it against them that they could not obtain one against a quality team like the Cavs. I don't think anyone saw Shen Goon or Kenyon Martin Jr. or Tari Eason and thought, okay, those guys aren't at least trying to play winning basketball. But you come away realizing Jalen Green, I know, he puts up the counting stats. This month, 22-4-4. But he's doing it less than 40% from the field, shooting 34% from outside the arc, which is okay, except that he's taking nearly nine attempts a game. So for the guy who's the primary option, you would hope that he would be making a considerably better clip of those if they hope to hang in any games because they did not have Kevin Porter Jr. tonight. So limited offensive options, and that just was not going to get it done. Going 0 for 6 from outside the arc to start the game. This team couldn't make a goddamn thing. And the turnovers, 22 turnovers in a game, that's more than the Cavs have hit at any point this season. But for the Rockets, no. They've gone 26. They've had two 24 turnover games, and they've had three of these 22 turnover games. So terrible ball control. 40 points off of those turnovers. It wasn't just turnovers. It was every single time they did it, the Cavs feasted. Darius Garland picks Alperin Shangun's pass off, takes it coast to coast, tosses it behind him. Jared Allen dunk. Karis Levert rips the ball from one of the Rockets, streaks down the court, kicks it behind him. Dean Wade, three-pointer. He hit four, by the way. Dean Wade returned a few games ago, but really... His return to the box score was this evening as he scored 15 points, knocked down four three-pointers, and looked wonderful in helping the Cavaliers bench atone for what was an objectively horrible performance against the Knicks where not a single bench point was scored in the second half. But we got 25 points just from Dean Wade and Jaddy Osmond tonight, including 
five three-pointers. And it's amazing what a difference one day makes in terms of the rotations and the criticism levied towards JB. Now, JB didn't really have much of a choice today because Kevin Love was ruled out. So we knew that we were going to see Osman, and we knew that we'd see more weight, but they both certainly stepped up. So a lot of times we judge people based on their results. And by people, I mean JB. Guys don't show up. Guys don't play well. Guys don't shoot well. But the bench scored well today, and it reflects well upon JB. And that's just something to keep in mind, because yet again, he's not the one out there on the floor. I personally don't think days like today he should get all the credit, but I don't think days like the Knicks game he should take all the blame either. My biggest issue with JB throughout the course of the season has been the timeout management and the challenge management, candidly, and maybe giving people too long of a leash. I think he could play with a bit shorter hook now that we're back at full strength because we have other options. But tonight, no complaints for the bench. Now, do I hope that this is the beginning of seeing more Dean Wade? Absolutely. I love those three big lineups with him in there. So I would love to see more of Allen, Mobley, and Wade on the floor together. Darius Garland, he was able to check out about midway through the fourth quarter, somewhere around the four-minute mark left, and he finished the evening with 26 points, four rebounds, nine assists, a few steals on optimal efficiency, 56% from the floor, five of eight from three-point range, that's 63%, and he made all of his free throws. A great free throw shooting night for the Cavs, 18 of 22. Meanwhile, the Rockets look like the Cavs out there, shooting 60% from the stripe, so the few opportunities that they did have, they couldn't even take advantage of the free ones. 12 for 20 from the line. Jabari Smith, just two for five. And he struggled to stay out of foul trouble in the first half as he racked up three of his four fouls before the half even ended. And the second quarter is where things really got away from the Rockets. Because at one point, they were down eight points, 44-36. It did feel like at any moment the Cavs could blow it open, but that's when it happened. They managed to hang around until that moment. And from that point, the Cavs ripped off a 12-0 run, stretching the lead to 20, and it never got close again. So at halftime, the Rockets were 2-for-11 from outside the arc, and all those popular stats that have been working against the Cavs, their opponent's three-point shooting percentage, Evan Mobley's plus-minus in terms of the offensive rating when he's on the floor versus off the floor. There was one point in the first half where he was a plus-23, and the Rockets were 0-for-6. So some damage was done to those anti-Mobley metrics tonight and this was just the team that we needed to do it because we're going into a game against a formidable Oklahoma City Thunder team. Now let's talk a bit about the fro because he's going to get buried here but he had a quietly awesome game. This 14 and 10 from Jared Allen was about the biggest 14 and 10 that you're going to see from a guy in terms of impact. And a lot of that you can pick up on by looking at some of the hustle statistics. He had nine points off screen assists. He had five deflections over the course of the game. He was all over the place. But surprisingly enough, Jared Allen was second on the team, six points off of turnovers. Usually that does not happen with a center who's trailing the action. It's usually going to be an Osman or an Okoro or somebody who's getting out ahead. But tonight, Jared Allen rewarded for all those deflections. So was it against a good opponent? No. Was it against even a good defender in Shangun? No. But take your wins where you can get them. And Jalen Green made two three-pointers at the end of the first half, but the team as a whole started out 0 for 6 from outside the arc, which lasted until midway through the second quarter. Some of their shooting was just atrocious. I thought Josh Christopher was terrible tonight. I did not think that he looked good at all, and I know there was talk of him being a guy who had you know, maturity problems, but immense talent. I thought he, he looked 
terrible. Now, I was bummed that Tate didn't play. He was shut down because of right ankle issues, just trying to manage that injury. But he's one of the players that I look at on the Rockets and say, okay, if they ever found themselves selling off rotation players, he would be a guy I would love to see on a Cavalier roster. I actually respect Shangun's game. His passing is very good. He looks to get other people involved. And if there's one big detractor, I suppose, of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., it's that they're too much looking for their own and that there's no real semblance of an offense. But at least with Shangun getting him the ball on the high post, he is very patient. Did he have a lot of success against Jared Allen and Evan Mobley? He did not, but I did not expect that he would. He's not some sort of freak athlete. He's a guy who beats you with his intellect. And unfortunately, he's surrounded by a bunch of players who don't possess that same intellect. Now, a player who's understanding... Now, a player whose understanding of when he can take advantage of his mismatches is growing is Evan Mobley, who tonight had 12 points in the first quarter, a perfect 4-for-4 four four from the floor, including 5 rebounds and 4 from the charity stripe. Mobley is a garland merchant, I believe, was a phrase I saw thrown around. This was a night where Evan Mobley, by Evan Mobley's standards lived at the line. Now, in that Knicks game, if you'll recall, Donovan Mitchell did not get a single free throw. Tonight, Evan Mobley, against these hapless Rockets, got to the free throw stripe 10 times, made nine of them, by the way, 90%. Now, his shooting started out hot. As I alluded to, in the first quarter, he was four for four. However, by game's end, That percentage has fallen precipitously, just 6 for 17. However, the final line is excellent, and let's just acknowledge, the game was already well in hand. It it was a time to take the foot off the gas, and things got a little looser. In the end, it didn't matter, because Evan walked away, plus 17, for all those people who've seen the Metrics Raptor, all the various other things that factor in box scores and regarding, oh, we're better when Evan's off the floor than on the floor in terms of teams' offensive performance. And there's been justifications thrown around. Oh, teams are shooting a blistering percentage with Evan on the floor from three as opposed to when he's off the floor. Well, here's the thing about today's game against the Houston Rockets. Evan Mobley going 21 points, 10 rebounds, five of which were offensive by the way, a couple of blocks, a few assists, just contributing across the board. The thing that's nice about this game is that there was a giant disparity in the score, an 18-point victory, so you know the plus-minus is going to be positive. You had two Cavaliers with over 20. Jared Allen, a plus 23. Karis LeVert, a plus 20. Now, meanwhile, on the opposite side of things, you had just an abysmal showing for Jalen Green, a minus 23. And Mr. Three, 40-point games, ended up with six tonight. Two for nine performance from the field. So yet again, a bit of vindication for those of you who have paper-thin skin, such as myself. I liked Alpi Shengun's game. 14 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. If anyone on that team could shoot worth a damn, then maybe he's flirting with another triple-double. He had, of course, a triple-double last game, and he's been on a tear this January. Now, these numbers should illustrate that as much as I didn't think it was anywhere close to a level playing field last year, Shengun has closed some of that distance. But Evan has taken a considerable leap this month as well, as he's averaging 17 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists on very good percentages, 56% from the field. 
Now, Shingun having a 65% true shooting percentage, that's fantastic this month. Just for context, Sabonis is hovering around a 68, and same with Lowry Markinen. So very efficient offensive ball from him. Numbers are fine, but he's a defensive turnstile. And the bigs for Cleveland dominated the Rockets tonight. And until they got Kenyon Martin in the game and Tari Eason, those guys... I thought they accounted well for themselves. Eason, 18 points, 11 rebounds, five offensive rebounds in just 25 minutes. And then Kenyon Martin Jr. played an excellent game. He went six for seven from the floor, chipped in 14 points and six rebounds. So welcome back, Dean, Junkyard Dog recipient, by the way. I skipped over that. And I would play the Drippy Dean song, but I've done it a lot lately. So I'm going to sit on that one. Top to bottom, this was a very satisfying game as a Cavs fan. And I'm trying not to put too much weight into it because let's just be objective here. The Rockets have lost nine of their last 10 games. This is a team that the Cavaliers should absolutely boat race. But on the bright side, because the game was over so early, we were able to shut down all the starters before they logged 35 minutes and going into a back-to-back game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, hopefully they won't be too tired. With the bigs playing as well as they did, and with Garland seemingly doing 26 points and nine assists, a few steals on very little effort, took 16 shots, it was A masterful game from Garland. Very efficient. 56% from the floor. 63% from three. Put Darius in the All-Star game. And from the free throw stripe tonight, the Cavaliers an excellent 18 for 22 over the course of the game. Now, I wanted to come back to this story. James Dolan, owner of the Knicks. You heard this clip earlier in the podcast. Where are they, for instance, on bail reform? Well, I'm just going to play you the whole unabridged thing. He was brought on the news to answer for a story that's been out there that Madison Square Garden is using facial recognition technology in order to identify people who they want to ban from Madison Square Garden. And those people include lawyers who are involved in litigation against the Knicks or Madison Square Garden. This facial recognition technology has picked up on them and they have been thrown out of Madison Square Garden. And he has received a lot of criticism there for multiple reasons. But first, before I address it, I want to just play you the clip of him talking about it on Good Day New York. The man behind MSG, James Dolan, executive chairman, CEO of Madison Square Garden. Nice to have you here. Thanks, Rosanna. So what is going on with facial recognition and the policy that you have? Well, look, facial recognition, right, is just a technology, right? I mean... When I walked into the, into the studio, right, did you recognize my face? I did. Facial recognition. Listen, a flashlight is just technology. Did you think I was having sex with a flashlight? I did. Well, you would be correct. I am. Technology! My point there is that just because you can explain how it works, it doesn't make it not creepy. Right. <laughs> the, uh, so, I mean, technology just makes you better at it, right? The real issue that's going on here is our policy of not letting attorneys, right, and who are suing us into, into our building until they're done, right, suing us. When they're done, they're very much welcome back. How magnanimous of you, James. But here's the problem with that policy. Why... Are you banning the lawyers as opposed to the plaintiffs? Now, perhaps you're banning both. But to ban the lawyer is ridiculous. Do you ban the accountants of people who are suing you? Do you ban the gardeners of people who are suing you? No, because this is a tactic to try to dissuade lawyers from taking cases 
which would name you as the defendant, as Madison Square Garden as the defendant. And that's what makes it even scummier, in my opinion. Now, there's probably plenty of lawyers in New York City who have season tickets to the Knicks or who can afford to go to the Knicks games, who use those things for networking purposes or other things. But by weaponizing the ability to ban the lawyers, you're essentially trying to influence lawyers not to take the cases for people who might want to sue you. But look at it this way, right? If you owned a bakery or a restaurant, right, the, the, uh, and, you know, someone comes in and buys bread from you, and then the next day they serve you with a lawsuit because they hated your bread, right? They said something happened to them with it, et cetera. Then the next day they show up at your bakery again, and they say, I'd like to buy some more bread, right? Would you sell them the bread? Important distinction, James. Now, does that bakery in your hypothetical, do they pay any property taxes? Because Madison Square Garden hasn't been subject to city property taxes since 1982. And why is that? It's because they are not the equivalent of a for-profit bakery. Because the for-profit bakery isn't subsidized by the government in the form of tax breaks, which is worth roughly $43 million a year. So perhaps... In your capacity serving the public and reaping the benefits from the government, it needs to be run like a public venue, not your private club where you can act out your vendettas against people, despite the fact that they may have paid for tickets. And fine, people are allowed to sue, right? The, yeah. the, uh, but at the same time, if you're being sued, right, you don't have to welcome the person into your home, right? Well, is the person who's coming into your home, are their tax dollars going to subsidize this gigantic property tax break that you received? Because if so, it's not really your home at that point, is it? It's your home with very specific conditions placed upon it. If you don't want to be beholden to any rules or regulations, then give back the tax benefits. Well, there apparently, I mean, now the Attorney General is stepping in, right? Letitia James. Well, she's just, look, the, the, there's all kinds of politicians who are jumping into this, right? The, none of them for the right reasons. The, the, they, want, they like the press. They like the clicks. The, the, uh, but, you know, I mean, where are they, for instance, on bail reform? Yeah. What about bail reform and Black Lives Matter and COVID and various other distractions to take away from the fact that, again, Dolan is proving himself to be a petty, malicious, vindictive man with paper-thin skin, even thinner than my skin when Rockets fans slander Evan Mobley. Maybe even thinner than that. Okay, so one more story to touch on before this podcast ends. This has gone a little longer than I expected. The All-Star starters were named today. The backcourt for the Eastern Conference, Kyrie Irving and Donovan Mitchell. And looking at the tabulations, now I said I thought it would be Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown came in third, but where Jalen Brown really fell short is that the media ranked Jalen Brown second. They ranked Kyrie Irving fourth. But Kyrie Irving won both the fan vote, which accounted for 50% of the vote, and he was number one in the player vote. He beat out even Donovan Mitchell there. Donovan Mitchell came in second amongst fans and second amongst players. Now third was Jalen Brown amongst players, amongst fans. And with the media, he was second, but that wasn't enough to overcome Kyrie having the number one overall fan rank. So Kyrie and Mitchell get the start for the Eastern Conference guards. The other kind of fun spot to look at was the Western Conference front court. There was a lot of discussion Jokic was a lock. LeBron was in all likelihood a lock. He won the fan vote and statistically having an incredible season 
yet again, but it was that third front court spot that was debated between, well, should it be Zion or should it be Davis, both of who have missed significant times, or could it be Sabonis or Markinen? Now, my feeling was it should be Sabonis. However, he finished sixth amongst the forwards. Zion got in despite the games that he's missed because he was ranked third amongst the players. He was ranked fourth amongst the fans, and the media ranked him fourth. Now, the media wanted Sabonis as the third starter, which I thought was basically the same way I felt. But Sabonis finished just fourth amongst the players, and our very own former Cavalier, Lowry Markinen, was the fourth favorite frontcourt player amongst the players. That put him ahead of Anthony Davis. That put him ahead of Sabonis. That put him ahead of Paul George. So he finished fifth amongst the front court. I think it's all but a sure thing, obviously, that he's an all-star. But I heard a lot of debate as to who deserved it. My feeling was it should be Sabonis. He played more games. He was exceptionally efficient, a very good passer, league-leading rebounder. The team was doing excellent, but he didn't get in. Zion got in. So those are the three starters in the front court. For the front court for the East, Joel Embiid is the one who lost out. Giannis, was first amongst the players, first amongst the fans, second amongst the media. Third amongst the media was Joel Embiid, but the reason Durant vaulted over him was because he was considered second by both the players and the fans. So you got Giannis, Durant, Tatum, and then Joel Embiid, who fell slightly behind those guys. So he ends up being the odd man out in the front court. And then in the Western Conference backcourt, Steph Curry and Luka Doncic. Morant and Shea Gilgis. Both had a case, obviously. Steph missed a bunch of games, but being number one amongst the fans went a long way, second amongst the media. So those are your starters. And I have another podcast coming up. I'm actually bringing a guest on. Look at that. Trying something different. But as the Clippers approach, I do know several of the Clippers media members, and I will be speaking with one of them on the next Fear the Fro podcast. So thank you for the ratings, for the listens, for the subscriptions, for all the follows, and for participating in this, a Cavalier and NBA podcast. More Fear the Fro on the way. I'm Bob Schmidt, the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Thank you. This has been Fear the Fro. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy, Bob Schmidt, always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.